0: Please open your Bibles to 1st Peter chapter 3. Today we are talking about marriage and submission. Part 1, the first seven verses of 1st Peter chapter 3 is what we're focused on this week and next. Today it is focused on wives, first six verses. Next week we'll be looking at verse 7 and addressing husbands and 1 Peter 3 1 says this, in the same way, wives be subject to your husbands. I don't know if there are any more revolting, shocking, explosive words that were ever spoken, according to some people. Wives be subject to your husbands. Wives be submissive to your husbands. Wives obey your husbands. I've had multiple premarital counseling sessions and marriage counseling sessions where. One or other of the, of the husband or the wife will say, we are not talking about the S word. And not sex, I'm talking about submission. We're not talking about honoring or obeying. Those are off the table. And by the way, I'm not wearing a Kevlar vest today. I'm a brave, courageous man. I am not wearing a flak jacket. I am not like the pastor in one cartoon that basically built a bunker around the pulpit and then kind of hid behind it and said okay pops up and says okay w- turn to 1 Peter chapter 3 verses 1 through 7 we're talking about submission okay not doing that today all right seriously these are words that have been routinely ridiculed and mocked and maligned and misinterpreted and ignored by Christians by professing believers and I know it's a sensitive subject. I know... Are you videotaping me? Or oh, you're watching a video? <laughs> you're watching a video. Who's winning? You know, I look, am I looking good today? Am I looking sharp? This is good? Second hour is the new third hour. <laughs> I love you, man. I'm not going to even name your name, so if this one gets on online, I, I won't say who I just pointed out. (laughs) Of course, all of you know, but hey. Seriously, it's a sensitive subject. A lot of opinions. Very strong emotions are are brought up with this topic of, of wives submitting to husbands. And I will say a lot of highly subjective ideas. A lot of highly subjective ideas. God's Word is objective truth. We know this, and we need to be very solid about it. We also need to know the character of God. If you're a professing believer, you learn who God is like, and and, and the fact that He is loving, and kind, and holy, and good. And then you know that everything He asks us to do is good. That's what I want you to do when you think of this today. And I want you to open your Bibles and turn with me now to 1 Peter 3, and stand with me. And I'm going to read the first six verses... We'll throw in verse 7 as well, okay? We'll look at that next week. But I'm going to read the first seven verses. And I know there's a subtle temptation as well to say this. Well, I wish so-and-so were here to hear this sermon. (laughs) Sorry they're not here. But you are. You need to hear this. All right, here we go. Likewise, wives, be subject to your own husbands, so that even if some of them do not obey the word they may be one without a word by the conduct of their wives when they see your respectful and pure conduct do not let your adorning be external the braiding of hair the wearing of gold or the putting on of clothing but let your adorning be the hidden person of the heart with the imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit, which in God's sight is very precious. Well, this is how the holy women who hoped in God used to adorn themselves by submitting to their husbands as Sarah obeyed Abraham, calling him Lord. And you are her children if you do good and do not fear anything that is frightening. Likewise, husbands, live with your wives in an understanding way, showing honor to the woman as the weaker vessel, since they are heirs with you of the grace of life, so that your prayers may not be hindered. This is God's word. And Lord God, thank you for your word. Lord, I pray that you would give us grace to receive your truth, this truth that is long ignored or rejected. I pray that you would give us grace to obey what you say and what you mean, I pray, Lord, that you would make us joyful and happy to submit to you as we submit to those you place over us. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Submission, being subject, is is not a hard or difficult concept. We make it hard and difficult. It is a simple, straightforward concept. To submit, to be subject to, means to put yourself under the authority of another. It literally means to obey them. So that's not a hard thing to figure out. What God is saying here is that submission is to characterize our relationships. He's saying wives and husbands, the closest of human relationships. And especially this marital relationship that God is speaking of, the reason for it is that it is relational. That our relationship with God is affected by whether we obey Him or not. Our, Our marital relationship is affected by whether we obey Him or not. And God has marked these relationships with roles and responsibilities is the key to understanding these verses is that God has given roles and responsibilities to husbands and wives different roles and responsibilities the idea of submission in marriage especially of a wife to a husband is based upon biblical teaching creation first and foremost God made them male and female God put the husband and wife together but they are not the same they are distinctly different all you need is eyes to figure that out there are many people that have gone wrong in their in their handling of god's word and have twisted god's word they go to verses like galatians three twenty there is neither jew nor greek there is neither slave nor free there's neither male nor female for you are all one in christ jesus when they say, see, God is an egalitarian. There is no role distinction whatsoever. That's a false handling of Scripture. People will, will, will basically engage in what I would consider tortured exegesis. Saying that the Bible says certain things that it doesn't, or that it means certain things that it doesn't. And we twist the Scriptures because we like to be happy, and we think that we have the best way to be happy. And we go, well, God wants me to be happy. How many times do you hear people say that? And so he must mean this. And we order it around what makes us feel the best. It's faulty logic. Um, and the idea, even in Galatians 3.28, it's about salvation in Christ Jesus. It's that in Christ, everyone's equal spiritually. No one has higher standing or is more important in God's sight male, female, Jew, Greek, slave, free it doesn't matter if you're in Christ you're on the same footing it has nothing to do with the marital relationship it has nothing to do with the roles and relationships and responsibilities that God has put in place but how, how this gets worked out in everyday life is what Peter is getting at here context very very important you need to know the context of what is going on peter started in chapter 2 verse 12 and said look keep your conduct excellent among the gentiles so in the thing in which they speak against you as evildoers they may account of your good deeds glorify god and the idea here is that how do you deal with unjust suffering and peter is running through these these situations and in civil situations where maybe there's even unjust rulers in, in the marketplace where maybe you have an unjust boss and even in marriage he's saying maybe there's an unjust situation going on how do you respond how do you make it work how do you endure when suffering unjustly and there is some unjust suffering in every realm of life is there not all of us have probably experienced it and we've also probably perpetrated it on other people again the civil realm the marketplace or the home Most of the problems in my life could be traced back to two errors. And it's not acknowledging the lordship of Christ and not acknowledging the authority of God's word. So much of our our sin problems can be traced back to rejecting the authority of Christ and his word. And if we would put ourselves under, if we would submit to God, we would find no problem submitting to whoever God says we should submit to. But we are so selfish, are we not? We revolt. We rebel. We will react to things. We recoil at the thought of things that just don't seem to sit well in our minds. And we will resent anyone or anything that seems to take any of our supposed freedom away. And we'll say things like, God could never mean that. God could never say something like that because my God isn't like that. And I'm like, Do you have the God of the Bible? Are you working off the understanding that the God that you are believing in is the one who has revealed himself very clearly in His word? We need a, a worldview change. When you come to faith in Christ, you come to faith in Christ, your whole worldview is, is transformed. Your heart is changed. God, God reorients your whole universe. paradigm by which you live in is transformed. That's what happens when you come to faith in Christ. But why do we need preaching of the word of God? A lot of people say, well, it's foolishness to hear preaching. Yeah, that's what, that's what, God, that's what God said. It, it pleased him by the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Who are going to uh, believe in what God says and say, I'm going to stake my life upon that. We need constant contact. We need ongoing reminders. Because all day long, all week long, we are being exposed to so many ideas that are contrary to the word of God. We think a lot of things contrary to the word of God. We need our, our, our vision put back into, into alignment with God. That's what Peter wants when we come to the marriage relationship. If you're married, this is, this is stuff that you need to, to, to think about right now, today. If you're not married, you need to think about this too. Because I'll tell you, everything Peter says can be applied to everyone in every context. If you're hoping to be married someday, you need to decide beforehand what you're going to do, what kind of attitude you're going to bring into your marriage. Because I'll tell you, there are a lot of marriages, a lot of Christian marriages that are tainted by stuff that believers have brought into marriage and have basically said, this is the way I am and I will always be this way. They leave no room for God to change their hearts. They leave no no room for God to change their spouse's heart. Well, they want their spouse to change, actually, right? If only they would change, my life would be happy. If only they would do exactly what God says they should do, they would make it so much easier on me let 's look at verse one. God wants us to grow up He wants us to fill he wants to fill us up with his truth and you know I, I, I mentioned to someone this week if God if Jesus is your everything, he can ask you anything I, what, one thing I love about the people of Grace Orange, is that if you, you come to God's word and say, well, I want, I want to do whatever God says for me to do. So if God says it in his word, we're going to do it. The problem comes in with our sinful pride, and what we do is we say, but that doesn't mean what it really says. And we're going to make it say something different. Or we'll ignore it and go, oh, that part? Nah, that, that's, that was for a time long ago. Let me say this. What we're going to read and what we're going to look at here means something. It doesn't mean nothing. And it means the same thing it meant back then applied to today. Okay? So the first word that we see in this passage is the word likewise. Likewise. In the same way, Peter has been, again, addressing how do you deal with unjust suffering? How do you uh, live effectively as a Christian in a hostile world while relating appropriately to people like civil authorities and your employer he is he has used the example of jesus here is what jesus did here is what he did in going to the cross he continued entrusting himself to him who judges justly jesus submitted himself to the plan of the father here's your example peter says and now he cuts right to the heart and he talks about the marital relationship i mean when we talk about Responding appropriately to civil authorities, I think many of us, our pride kind of wells up and we think of examples where we don't want to do that. When we think about the marketplace, our pride wells up and we don't want to submit maybe to an employer because of the way they act. But when you deal with marriage, here is the closest human relationship and I'll tell you, our pride just works double time on this. And we fight and we kick and we scratch and we claw and we want what we want. the present context, Peter has been referring to these calls to submit. He is saying, this is what you should do. Here's how you should do it. He says, be submissive now to the wives. He's talking to the wives. He says, be submissive to your own husbands. Be subject to your own husbands. The idea of, of be subject is, let it be your habit to submit to your own husband. Not just once, but all the time. Ooh. That's tough, isn't it? Well, let's see what what he's saying here. The word be submissive is the Greek word hupotasso. We'll do a little word study here, okay? There's a word hupo means under. Tasso means arrange in an orderly manner. So what it means is, and by the way, Peter uses it over and over again here in 1 Peter. And it's used in the passive voice in this verse. It means to submit yourself. It means to subordinate yourself. It means to obey You know, all all the people that don't want the word obey like in a marriage ceremony? It means this. Now, a lot of men have taken this so wrong. A lot of men have used this to abuse and harass and lord it over people and that is not what God is saying. But it means to put yourself under and align yourself under the authority of another. It's in in the, the, uh, the present tense as well and so it's the idea of you, w- you want to on an ongoing basis Maintain what God has set up Maintain God's willed order There's no personality inferior- inferiority Of any kind hinted at here uh, Hupotasso is a military term There's the idea to describe soldiers Submitting to their commanding officer it, it's, it's also used of slaves Submitting to their masters The idea is that you give up your right And your will Ooh, Man, does that hurt the pride? Give up in 2014, we're going to talk about giving up rights and will? Wow. God knew we'd be here. God knew you'd be here hearing this. And, and God knew that I'd be telling you that this applies today as as clearly as it did back then. Now, submission in the biblical sense is not so much as to a person per se as to a rank, an established order that would, would set things right and not create chaos now by the way you take about an army the the private in the army might be a much better person than the five star general but he is under the general the slave might be a better person than the master but still under authority to ensure order and so the wife might be a far better person than the husband but to ensure order in the home God has given roles and responsibilities By the way, hupotasso is not a spineless obedience and submission. As one writer put it, it's this. It's voluntary selflessness. Voluntary selflessness. Wives are called to voluntarily be selfless in their marriage relationship. Now, husbands, I love to say this to people when I'm preaching. You're not off the hook. No, you're way on the hook so bad, you don't even know what's going to hit you next week. But let me just say let me just say you've got to keep the historical context in mind what is going on here? what is Peter referring to where it says even if some of your husbands don't obey the word that's code word for not a Christian a pagan an unbeliever a lot of wives will say my husband claims to be a believer and he's not obeying the word that's another issue he's disobeying God that happens all the time does it not? that's what you're supposed to do what are you supposed to do? You're supposed to, when you disobey the word, you're supposed to repent, confess your sins, repent, admit it, and, and fall under the authority of Christ and his word. Right? So that's what Christians are supposed to do. Husbands and wives alike. But in this context, here's a pagan husband who's got a believing wife. It doesn't mean that they were unequally yoked to start with. Most likely, they were both pagans to start with. In those days, the wife was required to to follow the religion and the, the practices of her husband. And so now you've got a situation in the church now where there's a wife who's a believer and the husband is not a believer. And Peter's saying, here's what you do. You submit yourself to your husband. Don't leave him. Don't ignore him. Don't pretend like you're not a believer. Submit yourself to him so that if he doesn't obey the word, if some don't obey the word, some, if, if they're not believers... Okay, so this is to all wives though, right? Believing wives. Be subject to your own husbands so that even if some are unbelievers, they may be won without a word by the behavior of their wives. They'll see your respectful and pure conduct. So submission in in Peter's economy and in Paul's is a voluntary submission based on one's recognition of God's order. Husbands are not supposed to say to their wives, you need to submit to me. If a husband says that, he has lost it. He's not in the right attitude, the right mindset. His heart's not in the right place. What a husband should be saying is, what's God called me to do? What's my role? What's my responsibility? But a wife's supposed to say, not what's my husband supposed to be doing, but what am I supposed to do? What am I called to as a Christian wife? There's nothing degrading about submitting to authority And accepting God's ordained order. It it, it ensures the proper functioning of the marriage bond between a husband and wife. If your marriage is such that that you say, well, we don't follow 1 Peter 3, verses 1 through 7, you don't have a Christian marriage. You may be professing believers, but you're basically chopping out a part of the Bible and saying, we're not going to go with that. We've got a better way. That will work for us. And I will tell you, it will spoil on you and it will affect your spiritual life. Let's go back to Genesis. Genesis chapter 3 and verse 16. We go back to the fall and what happened and what God said would be the result of sin. And here he's talking to Eve, to the woman, verse 16. He has just said he's going to crush Satan. uh, The the gospel gets preached. The gospel gets preached in verse 15. I'll put enmity between you and the woman, your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head. You shall bruise his heel. The gospel truth there. You can look into it. It's, It's awesome about... It's basically the first preaching of the gospel in the Bible. But here he turns to the woman and says... Here's what he says. I will surely multiply your pain and childbearing... In pain you shall bring forth children. And then he says, Your desire shall be for your husband. A lot of people have, a lot of guys want that to mean something it doesn't mean. And, and what it means is, your wife's going to want to control you. And then God says, and, and your husband's going to want to rule over you and control you. And what God is announcing is a struggle that will be till the end of time. A struggle. You say, But, but I'm a Christian and my spouse is a Christian and how can we can't get along? Because you married a sinful, fallen, depraved person. Do you realize this? That's who you chose. That's who you chose. And and by the way, your choices are only from sinful, depraved, fallen people. Alright? There's no perfect spouse that you get to choose from. Like, go to the spouse store. I want a really good one. God, I want to order up uh, me a spouse uh, that will obviously... You know, have all the traits that are on my checklist of what I'm looking for. Please. Please. Y- you married a sinner. And even the, by the way, the best Christian marriage. You know who, you know who it's comprised of? A husband and wife? Best Christian marriage ever? A sinful, fallen, depraved couple whose pride is fighting against each other's pride all the time. There's husbands and wives right now just kind of nudging each other, like, he's talking about you. but you know what we know is that God transforms relationships in Christ we can all think of times and relationships that have been just spoiled because of sin and pride we can think of marriages Christian marriages that have been spoiled because of sin and pride you can think of all sorts of relationships that have been messed up harassed broken down and torn apart torn to shreds even because of sinful pride but i hope you also have the examples that you know of of relationships that you say wow god in his grace because of the gospel of the grace of god in christ has transformed this he's transformed my heart he's transformed their heart and now this relationship while not perfect is re, is is has been redeemed by god and is continually being redeemed by god and reformed into what he wants because God transforms relationships in Christ. so this command, be subject. If you want to see a transformed relationship, just do what God says. Trust Him, do what He says in His word. You want to be a faithful witness to the gospel of the grace of God in Christ? Then submit not only in the social in, excuse me in the civil order and in the social order, but in the household. Do what God says. Wives, submit to husbands, the context. And, and do this even when you're suffering unjustly. There's been a lot of twisting of that. I mean, I know, of, I know of churches that have told wives to go back into abusive situations and just submit more. And they'll even say, well, you know, I think you brought it upon yourself because you didn't submit enough. There's all sorts of things that we just kind of twist but what Peter is saying here does apply to all Christians because they're heart issues these are heart issues you submit first to God James 4 7 submit yourself to God put yourself under his authority and and don't submit to sin Galatians 5 1 don't be don't be submitting yourself again to a yoke of slavery and then specifically in the marriage wives submit to your husband. Peter's not calling for anything that, that any, any normal society wouldn't, wouldn't say It sounds just fine. I mean, the Greek biographer and, and moralist Plutarch said something similar. He said, he wrote this thing called Advice to the Bride and Groom. Here's what he wrote. So it is with women also, if they subordinate themselves to the husbands, they're commended. But if they want to have control, they cut a sorrier figure than the subjects of their control. And control ought to be exercised by the husband of the woman, not as the owner has control over a piece of property, but as the soul has control of the body, by entering into her feelings and being that to her through goodwill. That's a pagan writing that. Here's the deal. I was reading some things this week about submission, and one person wrote, so you want me to be a slave You're you're calling for slavery. God is a a, you know a slaveholder. He wants me to do that. Christian wives are not to be in subjection like slaves, but the principle is you're you're a Christian in subjection to God's will, and it's going to relate to every relationship and role that you have. in In the ancient world, women and slaves were considered inferior beings. Women were considered a child in the eyes of the law for their whole life. They were under the power of their husband, and he could do anything he wanted with her. And Jesus gave dignity to women. Jesus gave dignity to slaves. He raised the status of women. He raised the status of slaves. He never lowered it. This command is not to lower who you are and your personhood. We take this as a threat. We think that somehow, if we do what God says, we will be less than. Where have you ever read in the Bible that even being a servant, that that would be something that would make you demeaned or, or inferior in God's sight. What Peter is stressing, and he says it, you see it in verse 7, we'll look at it next week, equality of man and woman together as heirs of God's grace. You are free in slavery to God. You are free as followers of Christ. So believers ought to freely submit to the appropriate authority of others. Be submissive to your own husbands. What does that mean? It means that that you're willing to submit wives to your husband's authority and leadership in your marriage. doesn't mean he calls all the shots. I, I have a friend who told me, he says, you know what, we've bought houses and cars numerous times where I have not even seen them, but I trusted my wife's judgment and she was there and we talked about it. I said, I trust you, go for it. Doesn't mean you can't make a decision. It can't mean, it doesn't mean that you that the husband has to be in charge of every little detail. Women are not to called to submit to every man either. There are some men that have twisted this so bad and have always pictured women as subservient to men, all men. So wrong, so sinful. A wife's submissiveness is to her own husband. You see what Peter says? Wives, submit to your own husbands. So men, if, you, if you're in that realm where you say that all women are supposed to serve men, you are absolutely wrong. A wife is to submit to her own husband, not to submit to men in general. And That's an error that a lot of men have perpetuated. And you know what, what, what God is saying. A, wife, a wife's submissiveness to her husband is to be paired with his self-sacrificing love, self-giving love. Go with me to Ephesians 5. Ephesians 5, we'll look at that. And I'll tell you, Ephesians 5.21 has been so painfully twisted to say things that that God never intended. Ephesians 5.21 says, in the context of doing everything to the glory of God the Father in the name of Christ, submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So people say, oh look, again, God's an egalitarian it doesn't. There's no roles and everything. It's mutual submission, and they, they, they define mutual submission as no distinction between man and wife. Just submit to each other, just as, as whoever you know whoever calls it first. I guess the problem with that is you ignore the context. Uh, it's a tortured exegesis. It's a twisting of scripture. If that's true, if wives and husbands just submit like that, no matter with no distinction of role. Then here's what you got to do. You got to say, well, children and parents are also to do that mutually. So parents submit to your children. Oh, and and masters submit to your slaves. Oh, and and here's here's the best one. And and Jesus, you need to submit to the church. Those are all the examples that that God is giving here in in Ephesians five and six. So Ephesians five says, wives submit to your own husbands, as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is of the church. His body, himself its Savior. As the church submits to Christ, so also wives should submit in everything to their husbands. As the church submits to Christ. Colossians 3.18 says, Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. God says, this is good. It says in 1 Timothy 2, Men should, should hold up holy hands, praying without anger or quarreling, and women should adorn themselves... In respectful apparel, with modesty and self-control, not with braided hair or gold or pearls or costly attire. Now, by the way, that's been taken wrong too. I love braids. those are, They're awesome. I'm sure God loves braids too. If you're wearing pearls, check those at the door. No. Pearls are great. Gold's great. You should wear dresses and all of that. Wear what you want. As long as it's modest and you're not calling it... Undo attention to yourself So that people can look at you, right? The idea is The idea is Don't be so preoccupied with Your outward appearance That you ignore your soul You don't want to ignore your soul Because that's the part that God is is Working on to redeem Titus 2 Says teach what accords to sound doctrine Here's sound teaching Older men sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled sound in the faith hey, older men, listen up sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled sound in faith, in love, and steadfastness I'm an older man now, by the way I'm 52 so I've been an older man for a while, right? right, I'm older than you okay, older women listen up, listen up older women, likewise, are to be reverent in their behavior not slanderers or slaves to much wine and they're to teach the younger women what is good to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands that the word of God not be reviled so if you're an older woman and you're not teaching that to younger women what are you giving them? what model are you giving the younger women? if you're not showing them that if you're going, no, we've got to fight for our rights no you're saying no to God then Wayne Grudem, one of my favorites, says this, "...submission to authority is often consistent with equality in importance, honor, and dignity. Jesus was subject to his parents and to God the Father. Christians who are highly honored in God's sight are still commanded to be subject to unbelieving government authorities and masters, and the command to wives to be subject to their husbands should never be taken to imply inferiority as person or spiritually or of lesser importance." Again, Peter says just the opposite, right? Verse 7, joint heirs of the grace of God. Be submissive to your own husbands. Wives, you have roles and responsibility. Your role puts you in submission to the headship or the leadership of your husband. Again, headship has been much abused and a lot of men will kind of run roughshod over their wives and just say, you have to to listen to me. They've already lost it. There's not a loving self serving, self-giving. It's self-serving, it's not self-giving. And by the way, when wives, when you when you do what God says and you, you put yourself under your husband's authority, guess what happens? Your husband can't go messing around and playing around all the time because he's got roles and responsibilities too. And his wife, doing what she's supposed to do, actually reminds him, hey, wait. We'll look at this in greater detail next week, but men are to be, why husbands are to be the the pastor of their family and the provider for their family and the the protector of their family lots of men have abdicated these roles well my wife takes care of all that oh my wife took control years ago I just let her do it well you know what you're supposed to protect and provide and and shepherd your family your wife's heart your kids hearts you got roles a lot of men have just kind of abdicated those or never even got the fact that they had these roles again more on that next week says that if you if you do what God says that even if they're an unbeliever they might be one without a word by the conduct of their wives that's not a promise it's a pathway to God's best but it says one without a word it's it's a missionary term without talk without word by the way the wife lives when this submission is accompanied by modesty and meekness and respect for her husband as verses 2 through 6 show But by the way, it's not encouraging you if you have an unbelieving husband to never say anything about the Bible or Jesus. It's not what it means. Romans 1.16 tells us that that the gospel is the power of God for salvation. Romans 10 tells us faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of Christ. So someone's not going to be saved by a good example of someone. What it means is, by your good example, by your good example, they will say, wow, that life's been transformed tell me more. I want to know what's going on with that. Your wordless witness will be winsome in, in winning some and they will want Jesus because of your because of your example. Verse 2 says this, they're going to see your your pure conduct and verse 3 says, but don't let that adorning be ex, adorning be external. Don't let it just be merely from the outside. The reason why is because God is working at the heart. There's this imperishable beauty of a gentle and quiet spirit. Jesus said, I'm gentle and humble in heart when he exp- ex- expressed who he, who he is and what he's like. And it says that even people like Sarah and others, that's how they used to adorn themselves. Adorn is an interesting word. Adorn. Adorn. It comes from the word meaning universe, cosmos. It's cosmeo. And it's not this cosmetics that you're going to use. This is, this is spiritual. It's the idea that, not that you shouldn't use beauty aids, by the way. Okay? It's not what this is talking about. Um, the idea is this um, you should wear clothes. If you want to wear jewelry, wear jewelry. If you want to, whatever you're going to do, do that. That's fine, but don't let it supersede, again, your, your soul. But I think the more, the more prevalent error, there was an error, by the way, in some of the later church fathers read these passages, they, ba- they banned all as- beauty aids and aesthetics in women's clothing. You can't have any style, let's say. And, and they, they even attributed the, 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 the desire to wear um, stylish clothing to the work of fallen angels. That was a misuse of, of Scripture. Scripture but the idea is you wouldn't, you wouldn't do that or else say that you can't wear clothes and that's not what God's saying either the point is not to be legalistic about what you wear the point is that your heart needs to be right with God but I think the more prevalent error is to push aside the clear teaching of scripture and say this doesn't apply now I think a lot of couples have, have said this we don't really like what God says we'll come up with our own little system and here's what it'll be. It's reciprocal. You do what you're supposed to do, I'll do what I'm supposed to do. Now, if you step out of line, heaven help you. But, let's just do what we're supposed to do. And, and again, it's a 50-50 proposition. You do your responsibility, I'll do mine. Stay out of each other's way. That's not biblical. That's not what God wants. The idea of adornment, even. It, it's the idea of, what's your, what's your universe all about? You or Jesus. It's the idea of, of your universe orbiting around Jesus, not yourself. So don't be so preoccupied with yourself. Some people never see that. They never get that. They never realize that God expects and enables that. So they continue to live this self-centered life. And they say, I'm a believer. But you've got to wonder, do they ever get the gospel? Did they ever realize what Jesus really did that should have transformed their soul into not a self-seeking person, but a person that's going to Christ over and over again to change them from the inside out. If if your profession of faith has not affected your soul, then your soul is in jeopardy. You say, Well, I've been professing to be a believer for, for years. Make sure you're believing the right gospel that Jesus took your place on the cross and that, and that you need to believe in him and not anything you can do to get yourself to heaven not any righteousness, not any good work of your own. A lot of Christians have become so callous to the Word of God and they've been so used to just cutting parts out of the Word of God and they're, they're, they are on the throne. They are not bowing to the Lordship of Christ. They are not under the authority of the Word of God. Don't go away from today and say Peter is prohibiting you know, outward adornment. He's just saying, don't be excessively preoccupied by it to the detriment of your character and your soul. He says it's the hidden person of the heart. That's where your true beauty and personality come out. This gentle and quiet spirit that God says is precious. Why would he say that? He, he's, he said that our salvation is, is in, in, imperishable and that the precious blood of Christ was shed for us but why would he say that this, this humble and gentle heart is, is precious why would it be so valuable and so costly it's because it's a reflection of Jesus in you Christ in you the hope of glory see marriage relationship should be the first to reflect the beauty of Christ and the gospel but I know there's a lot of latent anger and indignance and even repulsion about what God has said. And there's a lot of marriages that are just harbors of abusive speech and tearing down and self-justification and refusal to apologize, refusal to reconcile and confess sin and repent. And it's a sign of hard-heartedness. It's a sign of, maybe a sign of a lack of salvation in some people. Those who are born again by the Spirit of God are quick to repent they are quick to hear they are quick to listen they are quick to reconcile but often we want to compare our spouse to someone else if only you were more like that person's spouse we want to condemn our spouse well my wife always this or my husband always that some women have become doormats because they think that they have to do anything their husband says And some people have their families in a relational headlock. What does it really look like for submission to be a part of your everyday life? Wouldn't it be awesome if you could go buy that? That little formula? Three easy steps, apply three times daily and voila, you got the perfect marriage. We would love that bottled up, wouldn't we? but that's not the way it is there's no easy button on this I'm Italian I like to re- remind you often that I'm Italian and I'm going to use the example of pasta okay regular pasta alright it's made out of uh, the same stuff but it has all sorts of shapes and submission in your family is going to look different in your setting and it's also going to look the same it's going to look different and the same and again it's it's all different shapes but made out of the same stuff if you love Jesus and you say I want to do what he says I want to do this and I'm not going to try to twist my way and wiggle my way out of it I'm going to really do that it's going to look different in your family there's not this recipe of submission here's how a wife should do this or here's how a husband should act it's not that recipe some of you are going to say you don't know what I've been through Mike you don't know and all I'd say is well after 30 some years of ministry yes I probably do and I might say this to you do you know what Jesus went through do you know what Jesus went through and then you might say yeah but that's great but how can I endure because I'm done you know how many times I hear that from married couples I'm done and some people will say I don't even want to try anymore and it's really hard to unravel that and let me say this I know I'm going over time a little bit here let me just say this there are times wives you should not submit there are times wives when you should not submit to your husband and here's when you should not submit to your husband if he's abusing you if he is mistreating you and I tell you some wives obey without question if your husband is, is saying that you need to disobey God don't submit to that If your husband is telling you to do something that is sin, that is going to cause you to sin, don't submit to that. If you are being emotionally and physically harmed, don't go along with that. Now, I'm not telling you to divorce your husband. I've never counseled a couple to get a divorce. I've always told them to seek reconciliation and repentance and do what God says. But if we truly believe that Jesus Christ is Lord we will put ourselves under his authority and under his word and believe the character of God I think a lot of us would love a little puzzle of four pieces and say just give me this little puzzle and it's God, his word, others and myself and if I can just put that together and figure it out that would be great but life is more like a 10,000 piece puzzle and there are puzzle pieces getting slipped in there you might even create some yourself that are not supposed to be part of that picture And sometimes you get so clouded, you can't even see the picture of what the puzzle is supposed to look like when it gets done. And you lose track of what God's doing, this grander picture. And I will tell you this. There is something that God wants to do in your heart and in your marriage that if you could see it now and the process he was going to take you through to get there, you would reject the idea. You would say, I'm not in for that. It's too painful it's too tough here's what you need to know and I'm gonna I'll, I'll quote from Tim Keller's book the, the, the Meaning of Marriage and then we'll close you need to see what God is doing there's a great horizon that he has planned for every believer and he's working on every believer and this is what it's like to get to know to get to know God and, and to know what he's doing in your in your heart you have an old self and a new self the old self is crippled with anxieties the need to prove yourself bad habits you can't break and many besetting sins and entrenched character flaws the new self is still you but you but you liberated from all your sins and flaws the new self is always at work and always a work in progress and sometimes the clouds of the old self make it almost completely invisible but sometimes the clouds really part and you see the wisdom and courage and love of what you are capable. It is a glimpse of where you're going. That's the kind of vision you need to have in your marriage. God has given you your spouse to make you more like Christ. Through the pain. Within this Christian view of marriage, here's what it means to fall in love then. is to look at another person and get a glimpse of the person God is creating and say... I see who God is making you, and it excites me. I want to be a part of that. I want to partner with you and God in the journey that you are taking to his throne. And when we get there, I will look at your magnificence and say, I always knew you could be like this. I got a glimpse of it on earth, but now look at you. It's what God wants to do. Michelangelo was asked how he carved his magnificent statue, David. You know what he said? I looked at the marble and took away all the bits that weren't David. What God is in the process of doing is taking out all the parts of you, if you're a believer, all the parts of you that aren't the real you, that he is making, that will be with him forever and eternity. And Lord God, I pray that you would help us to show a heart of submission, that attitude that puts others before ourselves. Lord, we want to show attitudes that are honorable and pleasing to you to truly live for the sake of Jesus and the gospel, to apply the gospel of the grace that you have shown us in Christ to our relationships. Lord, we pray for you to do whatever you want to do in our hearts for your glory. Amen.